Good morning, everyone. This is Paul Boyce with PW Grocer Consulting. I'm the president and CEO of the firm, and this is the Environmental Echo Podcast. Today, we have a really special guest. We're real excited to have Supervisor Ed Romain from the town of Brookhaven with us. And today, we're going to be talking about some issues that, that the town may be facing or challenges they face from, from an environmental standpoint. I also have Charlie Bartha, a senior vice president with PW Grocer in our engineering department, and he'll be here also talking with us on some of these, you know, vital issues to the town of Brookhaven. And, uh, you know, not only do they pertain to Brookhaven, but Long Island as a whole in some instances. Um, so it's, it's pretty important stuff. If you want to reach out to us, if you find any more information uh, regarding this, this topic, we have our website, pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. So if you guys are interested in getting more information or you have questions or want to reach out to us, please feel free to reach out to us that way. Uh, it's the best and most uh, efficient way to get a hold of us. So let's get started. We're going to start uh, right off with uh, Supervisor Romain. We're glad to have you here today, so thank you for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, and um, we'd like to begin by just, you know, briefly discussing what you think or feel are some of the, the, the bigger issues that the, the town of Brookhaven is currently facing from an environmental standpoint. Um, I, I know there's many. Um, just off the top of your head, what do you think are some of the, the, the bigger challenges right now? I think the biggest challenge that we face is the disposal of, of sewer. Uh, right now, uh, most of Brookhaven is on cesspools. We do have large areas sewer, but a lot of it is on cesspools, and that all winds up in either the Long Island Sound or the Great South Bay or Mauritius Bay. And we're trying to cut that down because water quality is a tremendous issue. Uh, you see the return of the rust or the brown tide now, particularly on the South Shore and Mauritius Bay and Great South Bay. You see marine life dying off as a result of that. So we're concerned about uh, water quality. We're also concerned about our aquifer. Uh, you know, we don't get all water from a reservoir. We get all water from underground. And we're concerned about things that affect underground water because that's our drinking water. So those type of issues are the issues that trouble us because they have long-term implications. Obviously, climate change is having an impact on, uh, and rising sea level is having an impact on us. Uh, that's a huge issue for us. Uh, so those are uh, um, some major issues, and obviously the disposal of solid as well as liquid waste is a concern because we made the decision to close our landfill, um, and our landfill since 1989 only takes ash and construction debris because we have a deal with Covanta uh, to burn our, uh, our garbage, and then we take the ash and put it back in our landfill. So just ash and construction debris goes in our landfill, but we're the last operating landfill. And the only really ash fill on Long Island outside of, of Babylon, which has its own uh, waste to energy plant. So I don't know where the ash is going to go from the four other waste to energy plants that we have on the island. Uh, that's a concern. And construction debris, there's only two places on Long Island that takes construction debris. One, is the Brookhaven landfill, which will close, and the other's right around the corner from the studio at 110 Sand and Gravel. Um, and that is going to pose all types of problems for Long Island. Right now, most of our garbage is shipped off Long Island from the other towns and communities, um, and that's going, we're only gonna add to that problem. And when I say shipped, we don't have barges, and we don't have a rail line yet, so it's going to be done 
by truck. And right now we have 55,000 trucks a year going to Brookhaven Landfill, which will be added to the Long Island Expressway. So you can imagine what that means. Supervisor Romaine, you just, yeah, whew, that is a lot to tackle. I mean. Uh, well, that's just at the tip of the iceberg. So. <laughs> I, 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 and I fully understand it. You, you touched on a lot of uh, some of our previous podcasts, you know, groundwater related. Um, our firm, that's something we specialize in. So we, we had a couple of podcasts related to that and, the, you know, the, the aquifer system and how it's all related to the surface water and the activities we do up uh, above ground, you know, such as you mentioned landfilling, but um, disposal of wastewater you know that's huge you know um and again we dedicated a whole other podcast to that subject but you know you, you touched on some things that, that that really hit home um especially you know we've got the sole source aquifer you know this is what we use for drinking cooking cleaning bathing you know recreation purposes filling swimming pools it's such a vital vital resource so in terms of you know what the town can be doing to help protect that resource you know, I, I know you guys have been, you know, sort of at the at the, the, the avant-garde with some of these IA systems, these innovative alternative wastewater disposal systems. Can you talk a little bit about what you guys have, have done in the past and what you're doing now with those types of wastewater treatment systems? Well, there's a couple of things that we've done. Wastewater treatment systems is for homes that, that are would have been on cesspools. Instead, there's an alternative system that denitrifies. It's far more effective than a cesspool. Um, I know the old solution, which I'm sure uh, our guest, Charlie Barth, who used to be our DPW commission many years ago in the county, the old solution for the health department was dilution was the solution to pollution. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that only works if you have a scattered population, but the more dense a population becomes, it doesn't work. So these alternative systems work to some degree. They certainly denitrify better than cesspools. However, they are expensive, mm. and there are grants from the state and from the county, but a decent system is going to cost twenty to $25,000. And then you have yearly maintenance on these systems and an expense in terms of because they require some type of power source uh, to, to operate some of the systems. So it's not inexpensive. We required... About four, five, maybe six years ago, we required that anyone, uh, any house within any new construction within 500 feet of any body of water, it wouldn't matter if it was Lake Ronkonkoma or the ocean or wherever, that they have to install a denitrification system because we know nitrogen is the enemy and is one of the pollutants that poses the greatest problem to our bays and the sound and the ocean. So we required that. The county moved very quickly after, and as of July 1st this year, 2021, they have required that all new construction in Suffolk County have a denitrification system or be hooked up to a sewer system. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Now, with the IA systems, they do treat it to a lower level of nitrogen discharge. Yes. And I, I know there are, there's uh, some fairly large-scale projects within the town that maybe they're, they're county-related, like the Forge River in, uh, like, Mastic, Shirley area, um, where the, they're looking to sewer and build a sewage treatment plant. Right. What do you know about that, and how do you think that's going to affect uh, the residents of the town of Brookhaven? I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. We had a hurricane in 2012 called Hurricane Sandy, 
the county capitalized on that and put in for federal aid uh, for sewers. And in, 19, uh, in 2014, they were given a large chunk of money to do Colt River, to do um, Great River, and to do Forge River, and if there was money left over to help Patrick. So they had uh, $188 million, it may have grown to $192 million, for, to do the Massac Shirley area. And what they were going to do is run along Montauk Highway from William Floyd East to the Forge River, and then down Mastic Road and all the streets mm -hmm. that run east of Mastic Road that front on Forge River. Okay, it's 2021. Seven years later. We're still waiting to see a shovel put in the ground. Uh, One of the things that uh, the county uh, wanted to do is to have a place very wisely for a sewage treatment plant that would be um, a sewage treatment plant that would rely uh, where they could discharge and it would replenish the aquifer. And they looked for a spot and they came to the town and they asked, we'd like to take 30 acres at the southern end of your airport on the, by the north service road of Sunrise Highway east of, of William Floyd. And we said, yeah, no problem. We're still waiting for that. Right. So the, I, I know you know yeah. you've made that property available to them for yes, the treatment plant because that's often one of the most difficult things is siting the sewage treatment plant. I mean, I've spent my entire career to one degree or another involved with sewage and sewage treatment, um, and I I know you're involved with the uh, Pine Barrens Commission as well. Absolutely. And so that's a uh, that's a uh, significant protection to uh, groundwater and a uh, sole source aquifer. You know, further west uh, in some of the Nassau County water districts, I know there's discussion that they might be uh, better off uh, to take water through the city uh, from the city water tunnel projects, you know, reservoir water from upstate. That, that's one of the things under consideration. That, that's possible. Future. I think the city was looking to take water from Nassau County. At one time. At one time. Yes. That's, <laughs> and, and I wasn't in favor of that because... We share a common island, and that would drain our aquifer, so I was not in favor. Mm -hmm. I must say that the county plan um, for uh, sewers for Massac Shirley, which is very wise because Massac Shirley is a very densely populated area. I spent the early part of my career in government bringing public water to all the areas, all the streets in that community. And there's a lot of small lots. And when you have a lot of small lots and mm -hmm. a high water table, and there's two things that you need for a house. You need a cesspool and you need a well. And at some point, you're either drinking your neighbor's cesspool or your cesspool. And that's exactly what was the story. There was a report that was done on March 4th, 1940 that talked about this problem. And 40 years later to the day, we had our first public hearing as in town of Brookhaven for use of community development funds because Massac Shirley was a low moderate income area at that time that could be used to install water mains. And I became, fortunately, the first commissioner of community development for the town, and we spent a lot of money putting water mains in throughout Massac Shirley and other communities in the early 80s before I was elected to office in 85. So uh, I'm somewhat familiar. I, the process for sewers is the same thing. You have three expenses. 
the cost of the main itself, the meter, and the connection to the house. So um, we are very interested to see the county proceed on this. So far, uh, they've been very cautious and have not moved as quickly as we would like. This is seven years mm -hmm. after they've got the grant money. Uh, and uh, I am a huge supporter of this. This is absolutely needed. The Forge River suffered from the fact that there were so many small houses, small lots, and um, that is a huge problem. Plus which there used to be duck farms on Forge River, which there aren't any more. I think the last duck farm in, in Brookhaven is, 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 has been gone for a few years now, um, and that added to the problem. Duck waste was a huge yep. issue. That's a big nitrogen load in itself. Yep, so thank God uh, that is gone. For those who like duck, uh, it's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but you can raise duck without having them near a body of water. Well, that's where I understand Long Island duck now. They, they're raising them out in Kansas. That, yes. Uh, as you say, they found they don't need to be on front of a, a lake or a river. Or no, and I think they figured out ways to use the waste matter for mm -hmm. fertilizer. Mm -hmm. uh, probably, yeah. Very interesting. Well, what about sort of an adjacent river to the Forge River? Is another one's the Carmen's River. Um, what can you tell us about that? I know that's had some issues with uh, maybe not just even nitrogen pollution, but other types of contaminants. There was an effort by my predecessor to try to uh, preserve the land around the Commons River. Uh, that failed. Um, it failed for the simple reason is that he wasn't dealing with the issue of development. He was looking to move the area off Commons River somewhere else. When I became supervisor, I had a different plan to save it all. We're not moving development, we're not increasing development, we're not doing anything with development. We are just stopping development and then start buying large segments of land and we have committed to that. The town is committed to buying large segments of land near or close to uh, bodies of water, creeks, streams, whatever, uh, to preserve them. And we've done a tremendous job with Commons River. Most of the land around Commons River is now preserved. A lot of it, of course, is part of the Wertheim Estate, which is federal, that's mm -hmm. south of Sunrise Highway. But even north of the Sunrise Highway, the county has purchased land, and we have purchased land even further north. So we're interested in preserving that. Uh, and that river goes all the way up past 25 in, in, um, in I guess it's Middle Island up there. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. That's, that's impressive. Yeah. It's a great initiative by the town. Um, also along the lines of surface water bodies, and here's a, here's a project that PW Grocer has been involved with with the town, it's, it's Lower Lake. Right. Um, not so much, say, like a, a chemical contaminant type problem, but um, invasive species. It's, it's a bad uh, problem. Years ago, in the 1700s, uh, the settlers there needed power. They now have power lines. So what they did is they dammed the river Commons River in two spots, and they would become Upper Lake and Lower Lake. Um, Lower Lake is also known as, I think, Lily Lake. Uh, and that has been with the Yapan community for a lot of years, since the 1700s. Um, and that's how Yapan grew. It was a mill community where they used the water power from the dams 
the falling water power to turn water mills, which turn gears, and grind flour, cut lumber, whatever. Yeah. That was their power source. But what happened is it became part of the community. Um, and uh, we were able to do the upper lake by removing and dredging, because what happens is, you know, leaves fall, debris fall, all settles to the well, bottom. You go back to your, your ducks, yeah. too. You get yeah. the, yeah, the waterfowl, and you get that muck layer, yeah. The muck. So we got some of the muck out, and that was creating nitrogen, blooming these algae blooms that would happen, the weeds that would invade, whatever. We were able to do that, and we'll probably have to go back to Upper Lake in a few years, because it requires maintenance. We started with Lower Lake and we had all types of problems. So uh, part of the problem was how do you do that? Uh, what we thought we would do was lower the lake, different than what we do, did with the upper lake, lower the lake and let winter come and then go in there and try to clear out some of that with you know bulldozer or other machinery. Yep. Didn't work. Muck was still there. We tried that a little bit. Then we tried it to do a small part of the lake, and then there was claims that we were raising the water level, uh, the temperature level, and affecting trout, etc. So there were a lot of concerns there, um, and we just want to do it environmentally correct without dissolving things. There are people that will advocate. I have a f good friend that's uh, Kevin McAllister that have advocated to away with the dams. They're doing that in other parts of the United States. Yeah. Let the river flow free. That is one possible solution. But the people in Yapank are very attached to their lakes, and they don't want to see them go down to a stream, particularly if they live on the lake. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> uh, yep. you know, elected officials have to represent the will of the people that elect them, and we were not going to do that. We were not going to remove the dams. Uh, there is a historic part of those dams that are part of Yapank. Uh, so we're still working on resolving that problem, and we're looking at a number of solutions, and your company is helping us along the way, and we appreciate that. And that's a problem throughout Nassau and Suffolk County. People see these ponds or lakes, and in most cases they're not natural. They would go back hundreds of years, like you say, uh, for aesthetic purposes, and it becomes a uh, problem now people empty fish tanks or whatever these invasive species come from of, uh, of plants and uh, uh, Lower Lake which feeds Carmen's River is particularly pristine for the trout and that's what led to uh, right. a lot of the concerns so each one really requires a different solution and those solutions is, you can't look them up and that's why we're all struggling to f try to find them. Well it's a trial and error they yeah. just did that with Patchogue River which winds up to the north where it was dammed, north of Sunrise Highway, uh, into Canaan Lake. Oh, yeah, we worked on that one with the county. I know. So, <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure Legislator Colaco was involved. Rob, yep, yep, he was. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that one's actually, it's so far, <laughs> it's looking successful. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, we, that was one where we drained the lake, let it sit for, I don't know, must have been two or three years, yeah. and then a little bit of scraping out some of the muck and reshaping it and and that was a difficult period for the people uh, that live along it yeah absolutely uh, to observe uh, it. absolutely I, i'm sure that people will express their 
their concerns. A couple of them. <laughs> yeah. They were very uh, <laughs> succinct about it, too, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Canaan Lake's a great community. It's part of the North Patchogue community. Uh, Canaan Lake is part of the Patchogue River, which yep. flows all the way north, even north of Woodside. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Avenue. So, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a unique uh, community and uh, tremendous that, that that eventually worked out. But I'm sure you went through, as you said, three or four difficult years when you had to let it sit before you could scrape out all the mm -hmm. muck and restore it to a more pristine co uh, condition. Right. Yeah. Absolutely correct. Uh, but continuing along the lines with the, with the water quality issues, uh, Climate Street Ends Project. Uh, that's that's an crucial. Yeah, it is. It's it's an interesting project. Crucial. What we have on the North Shore, if you've ever been there, it's all oh, hilly. Yep. Runs downhill, right into the sound on the beaches. Engineering one hundred and one. That's <laughs> it. Flows downhill. Uh, exactly. Uh, South Shore, uh, we have things that run into the bay. Uh, communities like Massac Beach with a number of road endings. We want to have those road endings capable of containing contaminants from the rainwater from the running down to prevent those contaminants from going into the bay whether it be riffraff or whatever else we can design um, and we have been designing up in rocky point for example things of that nature we're looking for all of our own endings to capture as much of the contaminants so they do not flow into bodies of water yeah, well, the, the town uh, was successful in uh, getting grant money because uh, yeah. ev everything's expensive. Um, and what this project is intended to do is minimize the pollutants that enter the water and also stabilize the road ends so they're not breaking up at every high tide. Uh, we'll, we'll use permeable pavers in there, um, and it'll be something that'll be nice to look at and it'll be pedestrian paths well we can't wait for that uh, for all of our road endings mm -hmm. uh, that pose a problem to be dealt with and I know your firm is working on that and that's a huge project mm -hmm. yeah and I suspect it's a project that's going to expand because I would like to see all of our road endings that pose a problem dealt with in that way and I know that requires money um, and all issues of government are issues of money well, and it, how you spend it it's important and the actions you take because you can't only think about the here and now you've got to think about the future and what you're leaving when you leave office because no one stays in office forever and you eventually leave and what you want to do is say I made it better I, I left it better than I found it and this is a very important project for the town so I am prepared to be very supportive of expanding the scope of that project very much so well and, and you know the town of Brookhaven is also sort of a unique town when you look at Long Island you guys you know it spans from coast to coast you know you if I'm not mistaken it's the only township on Long Island that does that right Oyster Bay, Oyster Bay. Oyster Bay. Long, uh, all right then in Suffolk County but we have amongst the 10 uh, Suffolk towns with no well even amongst the, the 13 towns in, in Nassau and Suffolk we have the largest coastal front of any town yep we are the largest in terms of size. We're the largest town by size in the state of New York. We're the second largest town by population. We have a half a million people in Brookhaven. If we were a city, we'd be the second largest city in the state of New York, behind New York City, with a half a million people. I'd love to become a city. 
because what I find is the problems that we confront, you have, don't always have the authority to address. Town government's a very local government, and they didn't anticipate a town government of, of this size, half a million people, and of the geographic nature. If we were a city, we'd be better off. My predecessor many, many years ago in the 80s, Henrietta Acampora, tried to create Brookhaven County. That makes too much sense. I will tell you we have too many levels of government, and that's part of the problem. If we were a county, we would have one level of government. In state law, you're allowed to be a county and a town. Uh, so we would have Brookhaven town slash county Supervisor would be the county executive, the town board would be the county legislature, and we already have single-member districts. Make a lot of sense, and you'd have one level of government to go to everything. And we're large enough at half a million to be able to support that type of thing. But it's too logical to take place. <laughs> so what happens is you don't spend your time pursuing something that isn't going to happen or require too much political capital. You spend your time trying to address the problems the best you can with the powers and the funding that you have. If we were a city, just for example, we would get at least 32 to 33 times the amount of state aid we currently get by a simple change. And you don't receive wow. any share of sales taxes. We receive no sales tax whatsoever. That is very interesting. None. <laughs> So most of the things, the, the things that are the major revenue producers for the town, um, really uh, the mortgage tax um, and the landfill. And the landfill is closing. The landfill produces a great deal of revenue, over $50 million in a decent year. Oh boy. And that will close, so we have to make up the difference. Well, that, that was going to lead into my next question or topic, you know, so I know you're a busy man. And we're trying to, you know, round this out here. But, uh, yeah, the, the landfill, the Asheville, it's, it's all going to end, you know. And then what's next for not just Brookhaven but all the other towns that rely on that, Long Island as a whole? Well, we have a huge failure on the behalf of New York State Department of Environmental Conservation. Those are the people that license landfills, that license garbage carters, that license uh, solid and liquid waste. And they are nowhere to be found in developing a regional plan. We need a regional plan for Long Island, not only for Brookhaven, but for the 13 towns that make up Long Island. And without a regional plan and an approach to how we're going to deal with solid waste, we are going to be lost. Things are going to happen that we did not plan to happen. We need a plan. And people say, well, what's the town's plan? Well, we're one town. There's 13 towns on Long Island. We'll make our plans the best way we can. And considering what the DEC is doing, we're stepping out of the garbage business. We'll continue to do recycling, and we'll continue to have recycling pickup. Right now, we only provide garbage pickup for residential, one- and two-family homes. There's about 119,000 of them in Brookhaven. Okay? That's, we don't provide any garbage pickup for any multifamily, condos, co-ops, or commercial industrial business. They're all on their own. They have to contract on their own. What we did for the residential garbage is we've divided the town up into 35 districts, and we put those districts out separately to bid. 
And right now, we're charging, I think, $360, $365 a year, which is on your tax bill, for your garbage district, for, I believe it's 171 pickups a year. Because you get two a week. Yeah. You either get Monday and Thursday. Too bad for the Monday people with all the holidays. holidays. Uh, I'm a Monday well, guy. <laughs> I, I'm fortunate I'm Tuesday and Friday. And then on Wednesday, we do all of your recyclables. And we have one week we do plastic and metals, and the next week we do paper, paper. and cardboard. Um, we no, used no glass anymore, right? No glass because there is no market for glass. Yeah. And there is no market for the glass because of the short-sightedness of people in the state of New York. You could create a market for glass. Do a couple things. One, pass the bigger, better, bottle bill, which hasn't happened. So like your wine bottles, your liquor bottles, they would be re required to be returned and recycled. The, the other thing that they could do, it's called a BUD, B-U-D, Beneficial Use Determination. And they could do a beneficial use determination to use glass as an aggregate in concrete. They could do the same for ash, by the way. They built an, a building in Stony Brook, boathouse, two-story boathouse, out of ash in 1989. They tested it. It's stronger today than the day it was built. It's still standing. So there is things that you can do with these materials, but you need the state to allow you to do them. And we just don't have a state that is interested in resolving some of the solid waste issues in terms of reusing and creating markets for recyclables which you need to do desperately. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, so, it's a big uh, issue. Know, I, I see it every day, and it's, it's somewhat depressing because you hope to see action. For example, we just, around our recycling center, we have these huge drainage rings. We dealt with a company that was willing to take glass aggregate and crush it instead of sand because glass is sand, and use that in those concrete rings that we put in for drainage, mm -hmm. very successful. That the state should be all over this, saying, wow, okay, now we can reuse glass. Why is it so difficult to recycle glass? Because it's cheaper to make new glass. It's cheaper to make new glass instead of reusing old glass. And incorporating a new material into construction is, uh, is much more difficult than it should have to be because it can all be tested, as right. you say, and has been. Well, so it has been, and, and, and this, we're one of 50 states. Other states have moved forward yeah. with using uh, glass as, a, as an aggregate in concrete. We use glass now because we do, we stopped collecting it because glass is a contaminant. When we used to have single stream recycling, when we could do that, when there were markets before China introduced the sword policy, national sword policy, that stopped taking all recyclables, essentially, all, I want to say all, 95% of the recyclables from, from, from the United States and other third world countries stopped doing that, we lost markets for recyclables. One of the biggest things in single stream that was the contaminant was glass, when we would put it in. So we began to separate it out. Now we separate, we have 15 or 20 collection points where you can drop glass off. What do we do with the glass that's dropped off? We crush it and we use it as cover on our landfill. Or we crush it and use it 
in terms of drainage, when we need drainage materials. Or we try to get concrete, uh, use it as an aggregate for some of our drainage mm -hmm. rings. But we need state permission to do this, and we're not getting it. There's a product we became recently aware of called the foamed glass aggregate. And it, I believe they add calcium and heat, and it becomes a lightweight aggregate that's porous. And right. you can use it as a subgrade for paving roads, um, as well as for drainage purposes. Uh, absolutely. So there's a lot you can do that we, we should be focusing on. There's so much more that we should be focused in on that we're not. There's a bevy of problems that are coming up. Uh, if you're in government for a while, you see the problems, but you don't always have the tools to address and resolve all of them. You do the best you can with what you have. Well, in my opinion, you guys are doing a great job in the town of Brookhaven. Well, we try. We appreciate we, it. We try every day, and I guess the judgment will be in the future to see if our actions How we did. <laughs> produce. Uh, I mean, one of the finest things that I, I'm proud of, of is as uh, a member of the Pine Barrens Commission, I was able to preserve 1,100 additional acres of Pine Barrens. 800 of that was the National Grid property in the Shoreham area, mm -hmm. and 350 of which was in the Mastic Manaville area. So we were able to add that all and expand the boundaries of the Pine Barrens because that will mean that there will be, and they were all core expansions, which will mean there's two types of Pine Barrens. There's the core, and then there's compatible growth. Core usually allows nothing to be developed in it, and the compatible growth allows development under certain limited circumstances. All good. So to wrap things up a little bit, I, I think I have one last topic I want to just bring up with you, and sure. that's um, you know possibly like alternative energy sources at the town of Brookhaven. I know you guys have a large solar array out at Town Hall. Well, we have a solar array at Town Hall. We have a solar array in Matterville. We have a solar array at the Ecology site. We have a solar mm -hmm. array at the airport. We have a solar array that we'd like to put on our, our, our landfill. The biggest problem with dealing with solar arrays is LIPO because you need a, a substation to connect to. And we have 80 acres atop the landfill yeah. that we would like to put solar on, and we can't because there is no substation nearby. The nearest one is in Belport, and it's committed. Uh, so we have offered LIPO, five acres of industrially zoned land at, at, at the landfill for free. To build a substation, huh? To build a substation. <laughs> now, industrial land's going for about two hundred fifty to $350,000 an acre. This is a gift. Build your substation. We'll help you build it. Uh, so uh, we need LIPA's cooperation. Uh, they have proven to be difficult to deal with. Well, hopefully they'll, they'll, no pun intended, see the light and, uh, <laughs> you know, they'll, they'll be all, come around and work on building that substation with you. Uh, any other t interest in, like, say, geothermal energy or uh, for town-owned facilities or throughout the town for the residents? What, we what, have what are your G thoughts? Our, our parks headquarters, which is in Center Reach, right off Nichols Road um, and Hawkins, our park center is completely geothermal. That's terrific. So it is geothermal, and I suspect as time goes by, we'll be retrofitting other buildings to accommodate. I know in our parking lots we're putting in uh, electric charging stations because many of our cars now in the town 
all electric. That was the next one. Well, you, you're getting yep. ahead of me, but that's perfect. Right. <laughs> so a lot of our cars are electric and more of our fleet. And my understanding is that GM, after 200, uh, 2035, is only going to make electric cars. Yeah, that's so, I mean, uh, I, I think gas stations will be with us for a while, but less and less as we convert to electric, uh, as long as it's usable. And we are big, big. We're very concerned about climate change and rising sea levels. Down in Mastic Beach, we watch uh, old neighborhoods be threatened. We're buying up all the wetlands we can. That's a massive project that we've bought up hundreds of acres of wetlands because we believe in allowing wetlands to exist sort of as a sponge to prevent the type of flooding that I saw. I had yet be elected supervisor could hit right before election day, but I remember touring Mastic Beach the day after Superstorm Sandy, and it was an education. The wires were down, trees were down everywhere, but the one thing that I will still remember, the smell, smelled of two things. Sewage and oil. Sewage and oil, yep. you got it. <laughs> and that's because many of the people that lived near the water had their oil tanks above ground and they all tipped over which is why the county, and I testified on that, passed a law to make sure that they'd be um, strapped to something mm -hmm. and so they would not tip over. And the sewage, sewer, we cannot get sewers fast enough. Yep. They're doing a Long Forge River. They need to bring it down to Mastic Beach, which is further down Mastic Road. So should we get any infrastructure funds, be happy to work with the county and try to extend those sewer lines down into Mastic Beach. Wow. Well, it's, hopefully there'll be some success in achieving that one day. It's, as you mentioned, that's, it's critical. It really is. Absolutely critical. And, uh, you know, and you mentioned the Asheville. We're not building in Asheville. Yeah. Um, for a lot of different reasons, local opposition, and mostly because of the finances did not work out. So that will end our agreement with Covanta. Um, so garbage has to get shipped somewhere, and we're waiting for DEC to tell us where. Those are some real tough questions, I guess. I mean, I am absolutely I'd love to hear the answer. I'm willing to participate with my other town supervisors, with the counties, and with DEC in getting this done. But until we get this done, this problem is not going to go away. Yeah, you're, I mean, I agree with you. It certainly has, it's a regional problem. It has to be addressed regionally. Right. And there's nothing but silence from DEC on this issue. They are more used to being regulators and not innovators. So yep. that's unfortunate because we need people willing to innovate and work with local communities to resolve these issues. Well, hopefully we're going to get there and soon because the clock is ticking. It's not going to stop ticking, and we're going to need a place to put our trash because that's not going to end. It's not going to go away. You know, people are still going to order stuff from Amazon, have lots of cardboard, which could be recycled, but there's lots of other packaging, and there's always food waste, and it doesn't end. Well, with food waste, we, we have um, a, a private investor that is building an organic uh, digester, an anaerobic digester, uh, right across from our landfill. Um, uh, it's a $50 million expenditure. He needs power from LIPA, too. He's having problems with LIPA uh, as well. But this will be innovative. There's state legislation that will require people who are large food producers to bring their waste if they live within 50 miles 
of anaerobic digester to bring it to that digester. This digester should be up. Uh, Long Island Compost is the um, organization that's building it as across the street from our landfill. Yeah. Cardboard and paper has always been a volatile market. And since the pandemic, there's been so much more cardboard, it seems to me. I know I have to go down to the curb a lot more with cardboard, <laughs> with everything being bought on the internet. Um, yes. how, how is that affecting the town? Well, that's affecting the town because uh, during, the, uh, d during the pandemic, we saw a drop-off in the use of the landfill. Um, but we a landfill for construction debris. But a huge increase in residential garbage. Everyone cleaned out their attics, their basements. And <laughs> like yeah. myself, food delivery, a lot of other deliveries, as opposed to shopping in the store during the pandemic, mm -hmm. you had, I was taking out 10 boxes, uh, uh, you know, a week that had to be broken down and then taken away. So yeah, that went way up. And obviously supply and demand, the price for cardboard went way down because mm -hmm. there was so much of it. Yeah. Again, really interesting stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad at least some thoughts being put into it. Sounds like we got a long way to go and a lot more thought to put into it, but uh, oof, we're, we're at the tip of the iceberg, as you mentioned earlier on. You know, we're the tip of the iceberg for the town because the town faces a whole host of, of, of issues. Uh, uh, and a lot of it, unfortunately, because of the lower level of government, kind of at the bottom of the hill. And, mm. uh, as engineers, you know what rolls downhill. So, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we need some of the funding because all issues of government are issues of money, some of the funding necessary to address some of these problems. And we need the cooperation of governments who view themselves as above us, like the county and the state. Uh, we did not get the CARES Act money, but the county did. Um, they, unlike other counties, did not share it with not-for-profits or towns or villages. And they didn't share it because the county was, I think at that point, in 10th or 11th year of deficits uh, and budget deficits and facing budget struggles. So they allocated all that money to keep the county government running. Um, we had, according to the 2010 census, 486,000 people we felt, and change, we fell about 13,000 short of being able to get direct CARES money, which is unfortunate. We are eligible and we are getting um, stimulus money and we are using that to do a lot of capital projects and we are looking at our capital budget and whenever we can we're switching out stuff from our capital budget and using stimulus money so we further reduce the debt we've been a triple a bond rating community about a year after I became supervisor, I focused on our finances, and by that time, we were able to increase from AA to AAA, uh, and I am focused on reducing debt. Uh, government's no different than you or me. Um, we should do is have balanced budgets, not spend more than we make, and whenever possible, pay down debt. And if we stick to that plan, we'll be okay, and we are looking to pay down debt. Uh, for example, there's a debt with the landfill. We have about 100 acres east of the landfill. We are going to sell uh, about 75 of those acres 
for industrial use. Because if you know the area of Long Horsebuck Road, it's all industrial. Uh-huh. We know well. Yeah. yeah. And we are going to look to do, um, have whoever purchase it, build an industrial park. We're just selling the land as is. And um, that will create jobs and it will create a tax base. That's where the Asheville was supposed to go and not going. We don't need the land now. And my idea is to sell that land, pay off all the debt from the landfill, and if there's any money left over, put in as tax stabilization fund. But at the end of the day, in four or five years, that will be a, a, a hopefully a thriving industrial park, which will create jobs and a tax base for the South Country School District, Brookhaven Fire uh, District, South Country Ambulance District. So, um, and create jobs uh, that hopefully will employ a lot of people. And I'm all for jobs because people need to work and, and make money. That would be terrific. Um, and I know we've we got to wrap up, but Supervisor Romano, I do want to thank you. Do you have any last-minute thoughts or closing ideas you just want to mention before we uh, sign off? Well, I would say governing each and every day is a struggle. But as long as you keep in mind what's important, and what's important is leaving a legacy to those who follow, leaving a foundation that they can build on that can provide a better life for people, and there's all examples of better communities throughout the United States. I'm not going to change the world. I'm not going to change even Brookhaven. But I am going to try to leave it better than I found it. That is a great, uh, great concept and a great attitude. We, we appreciate your leadership for yeah. the town of Brookhaven. That's certainly well on your way to doing that. Right. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it so much and uh, look forward to dealing with you guys in the future. Uh, we, we do appreciate your time today, uh, Supervisor Romaine and, and Charlie. I thank you for coming in, too. Uh, again, I'm Paul Boyce, President and CEO of PWGC, and this is the PWGC Environmental Echo. I want to thank our listeners today for joining in, and, and uh, hopefully you guys uh, came away with some really interesting uh, information, like, like I did myself. Any thoughts or you want to reach out to us, again, you can get to us by pwgrocer.com backslash podcast. This is the Environmental Echo signing off.